Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Well, good morning again to all of you. Uh, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here at Garfield Memorial Church. I don't know about you, if you're feeling a little overflow uh, today, the Holy Spirit is so thick in this worship center, and I pray is just w- washing through these, uh, these uh, technolo- technological waves into your homes. Um, I cannot leave that song, um, the, How Majestic Your Whispers. What a wonderful God. You know, I, who would put majestic and whisper in the same sentence? Who would put Holy Spirit and the internet in the same sentence? But our God is so majestic. I hope he is touching you. Uh, The the Bible says in size too deep for words, in beautiful whispers today. We're continuing in our series entitled Spiritual PPE, Personal Protective Equipment. Not many of us uh, had that in our everyday vernacular, but now not only do we say it, we wear it. Um, I can't remember a time in my life, my wife and I, when we go out in public, if we can't social distance, we're wearing masks, we're doing those things to try to love our neighbors. Um, Who knew that this would become part of kind of our everyday uh, getting up and walking around life? But, But Paul, the great apostle, said something very similar in his letters. He wrote a letter to the Church of Ephesians. We've been looking at 10 verses for eight weeks. Can you imagine that? The, the, the word of God is so rich, where he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus, and it's very different than his other letters. It's really a training manual. It's speaking to believers in Jesus Christ, saying if this power of God, these majestic whispers, suddenly became a hallelujah shout in Jesus Christ, and we see that this power is available to us and we can access it, then how does that change how we live? How does it help us, he says in one place in Ephesians, put on a whole new you? How does it affect how we live and breathe and and receive money and spend money and live in our marriages or our friendships or our network of relationships? And then Paul turns to the church and he says that this is how you need to live corporately. We're not made to do this, this thing alone. John Wesley once said, the Bible knows nothing about solitary religion. We were created to be in community, and he talks about the church, and he gives this amazing instruction manual, this blueprint, and then at the very end of it, he has a finally. That's what we've been preaching about, Pastor Scott, last week, and and I'm talking about today, and, and Scott and Terry and Steve, our other teaching pastors, will jump in on. When Paul says finally, it's not P.S. It's not, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this to you. It's not, don't forget to take the trash out on Thursday. It's a finally. It's a, you need to get this. It's, I've given you all this instruction. Now, warning, Will Robinson, right? Special warnings. You ever seen those on on prescriptions or anything? Warning, right? You're not going to be able to do any of this if you don't do this finally. Let's read it again together. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose? His power, not mine. Put on the whole armor of God. Some translation says the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood. We've been teaching you that Paul doesn't say we never wrestle with flesh and blood. What he's saying is it's not always flesh and blood. There's more to the story, right? Um, But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up, remember those words, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. Evil days are always coming. Monday's tomorrow, right? Evil days. That you may be able to withstand and having done everything to stand firm. And here's our key verse for today. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. <coughs> Excuse me. So we want to look today. One of the things that, that Scott got us into that last week, we began to turn and look at this armor. And I want to say today is we're, we're going to look at the belt of truth, the first one, where all of us preachers are going to dig down in each one of these articles of PPE that we're called to take up and put on. But I want to answer this question qu- quickly today. When we're talking about spiritual PPE, what is it? Right? What is it? That's, that's the question, uh, there it is, that we're looking at. What is it? Okay? Spiritual PP, let me say to you, and, and Scott brought us to this last week. I'm going to, he mentioned it, I want to review it. Let me tell you first what it's not. Okay? Spiritual PPE is not militaristic. Even though we talk about the armor of God, okay? And Scott mentioned last week, if you were listening, you know, when Christianity turns militaristic, Bad things can happen. The Crusades are literally embarrassment in the history of the Christian church, right? Because Paul was taking an image similar to PPE. It wasn't literal. How many of you have seen people show up to church with helmets? Like I've seen hats, but helmets and swords and shields and Roman breastplates. It wasn't literal, but he was taking an everyday image. There were Roman soldiers in the occupying uh, world that were walking around in this kind of gear, similar to we're, I think, rightfully connecting that to our day and age, to PPE, personal protective equipment, that Paul's saying, if you don't have these things spiritually, you're highly at risk. Now, no Christian ever glories in war. In fact, there's only two uh, thoughts about war in classic Christianity. One is pacifism, meaning war is never necessary. And the second is what's called just war theory. St. Thomas Aquinas is the one who's credited with starting that. And it's saying that war is sometimes necessary in a fallen world. But even St. Thomas said, but only with a grievous heart. War is repugnant. There's so no Christ, if you ever hear a Christian reveling or glorying in war, that's an absolute affront to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's not militaristic, but here's what it is. It is a matter of life and death. See, when Paul uses the whole armor of God talking about soldiers, you know, if you were out in a Roman battlefield in that day and age and you didn't have your proper equipment, the breastplate they'll talk about next week, the sword, the helmet, the shield, you're exposed, you're vulnerable. 
And how about today's day and age? Our, our doctors and nurses on the front line. My nephew is an MD, PhD that's been in Boston, moved out of the cancer lab into rotation because so many doctors and nurses got sick. And then so many more nurses and doctors got sick, and some ER doctors died that now he's in the EC, ICU unit. We've learned that if doctors and healthcare workers don't have their PPE, it can be a matter of life and death, right? And Paul is underscoring this, that we will spiritually die if we try to do everything he's taught us and we don't have on the protective equipment that God gives us to go the distance, right? So it's not militaristic. It's not a matter of life and death. And let me just throw this next slide up there. I, I say spiritual PPE is putting on the whole you heard Pastor Scott last week talked about this, the full armor. Like, you don't get to pick and choose. This isn't multiple choice. I'm preaching on the belt of church. You can't say a belt of truth. Oh, yeah, I like what Chip said about the belt. Well, what Pastor Terry says about the sandal, I don't like that. No, you can't do that. You have to put it all on or something's going to be exposed, right? So the whole armor, and, and Scott said, of God, like not our armor, but his armor. I'll mention that. But I like this little world of. The whole armor of God. What does that mean? Of means this is a gift. If you inherit something that's of your grandmother, it was hers. But now it's yours. And this armor, this, this PPE is of God. It's God's gifts. It's God's truths we're going to talk about. And he does what? Gives them to us. And that's why Paul says later, so take it up. We come to God by will and by grace. By grace, he gives the gifts by will, we take them up and we put them on, okay? So I, I, I want to say to you that um, putting it on is almost not even a strong enough image. We need to take it into ourselves, okay? Um, and that's why you say, well, what is it actually? Spiritual PPE is actually uh, putting on the truths about God, what we know about God, his grace, his love, his forgiveness, God's peace, Right? We're taking those things, we're putting them on, and I'm not even get so bold to say we're taking them in. I want you to digest them. <laughs> it's almost like prescriptive or vitamins, take it in. There's a great place in the prophets to do this. Ezekiel, if you read chapter two, he's called to be the prophet to the exiles. Israel had disobeyed God. They'd gotten puffed up in pride. They were slaves in Egypt. Now they're taking slaves and their, uh, their economy is being into the haves and the have-nots. And God said, fine, you want to be your own Savior and Lord? He pulled back his protection. And in came Babylon in 587 B.C., destroyed the temple and took the people into captivity. And God says to Ezekiel in chapter 2, he says, look, I'm sending you to them, but I'm going to warn you. They're rebellious. <laughs> they don't listen very well. And you're going to walk on thorns. You're going to be on hard ground. You're going to get bruised in this work. But watch what God does. He takes a scroll of his words, of his truth. And he says, here, Ezekiel, I want you to take my word and my truth with you. And then you know what he says to Ezekiel? He says, eat that scroll. What? Take it into you. That's putting on spiritual PPE. Jeremiah, who wept over the people, who was showing God's weeping for the people in their disobedience. Look what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, to God, your words were found. I understood your truth, and I ate them. Do you hear that? And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I'm called by your name. 
taking these truths about God and putting them into the center of who we are, that's putting on the belt of truth. I'm going to talk about that. But that's putting on the whole armor of God. And you know what happens when you do that? It ignites something in you. Something changes about you. Your attitudes, the things that used to row you don't row you so much. The things that used to offend you don't offend you so much. You're not so easily, you know, uh, uh, angered or, or, because what's happened? You're putting on, right, what's with me? You're not just putting on the, the whole armor of God or the PP. You're putting on a whole new governing disposition. Here it is. Governing disposition. What do I mean by that? When you take in this word of God and these truths of God, it, it, it begins to be of a disposition that you have. How many of you loved last week on Mother's Day? I did. When Pastor Scott brought up the picture of his grandmother, what do you say, five foot nothing? Everybody called her Ma in her town. How many of you know every town, every church has some Ma's and Pa's like that? And, and why does every, he said everybody was welcome at her table. Everybody called her ma, didn't matter how tall you were, what, what ethnicity you were, what your family background was, what you'd achieved or not achieved. You were, what did she have? She had a governing disposition. She had something that was radiating the presence of God. And that's why I love when Scott uh, brought up Jesus asleep in the boat when the disciples were worried they're going to drown, right? They're screaming, they're worried they're going to die. But Jesus says what? He says, spiritual pee-pee, a governing disposition that enables you to face like things like we're going through right now or other things. doesn't mean you don't cry. doesn't mean you don't tear your robes and beat on the floor. We've talked about that. But there's something about you that there's a stability because you put on your spiritual PPE. So I, I don't know if you know this. Do you know that there is something in some kind of motors that's called a governor? Anybody know that? like on motor, motor scooters and golf carts, right? You know what a governor does? It governs the speed at which that vehicle can do. And do you know there's YouTube videos? There's a couple, we have pictures, to show you how to take the governors off. Like it's illegal, but they show you how to do it. Now, come on, some of you, when you were growing up, you know daggone well you took some governors off some stuff, Right? I remember I had a, a, you know, if you're up at Putin Bay or whatever, they got golf carts, and you're motoring around, this golf cart comes by you at like 60 miles an hour. That's somebody that took the governor off. And when I was in seventh grade, I had a teammate on the basketball team. He had a uh, mini bike back then, and uh, his older brother was in high school, took the governor off. Man, we would fly around the practice fields on that sucker. I'll never forget, we were on the practice football field, and we were going 100 miles an hour down the field. There's a little hill after it, and we went up that hill with our hair on fire, the two of us on that bike. The problem was, when we got to the top, the bike kept going, <laughs> and we crumpled down to the ground. And it's lucky we didn't break anything. See, we've talked about the wiles, the schemes of the enemy, right? Um... Diablos, the deceiver. He wants to come in and inject some lies in your imagination. And you know what he does? He takes the governor off. He comes in and he, and he lets you run wild. I, I look at this socially. I'm not, I'm not trying to get political. I'm really not. But just socially and then individually. Socially, protesting is a good thing, right? We saw in civil rights, people kneeling prayerfully protesting. Uh, we've seen unions or others that will hold up signs and, you know, protest an injustice. There's nothing wrong with that. People have a right to express that. But have you sensed, like, maybe the governor got pulled off? 
and Satan injects a little thing. And now we got people showing up in military costumes with semi-automatic weapons and shouting inches from police faces. And I, I saw one sign that I can't leave my mind that someone actually put on a sign and walked out there and said, sacrifice the weak. Open back up the state. See, do you see how he gets in there? And he escalates it, right? It's something good. Even in our individual lives, let's take sex. We've talked about sex. Sex is a gift of God. It's a gift in, in relationships and lifelong covenants for intimacy and nurture. But you know what? Satan can get in there. And he can take the governor off. And he can inject into your wildest imagination lies. What about guilt? I mean, guilt can be a good thing. We have consciences, right? You know, that help us. But the enemy gets in there. He takes the governor off it. And now you've got self-hatred and self-esteem issues. And let me take the last one. What about anger? We looked in Ephesians. Paul said, be angry. Psychologists would tell us, it's good sometimes to get angry. Like you have to get your emotions out through anger and tears or else they'll come in through depression. But what did Paul say? But be careful because the enemy will come in and take the governor off and now that anger will turn escalated into rage or extended into settled anger where you become bitter. See, so this is why we need our spiritual PPE. Because, they're, you know, it's a governing disposition. And if we're not careful, Diablos will come in, inject lies into our imagination, and suddenly we're running wild. We're untamed. We're unharnessed. And that anger, that guilt, whatever it is, begins to be blown up and get the best of us. So, so put on the PPE. That's why Scott said last week, the armor of God. Because your armor will not help you with this. You can't fight back with your willpower or with your common sense or with your education or just some cliches. We need the armor of God. So if you use anything other than who you are in Christ, you will be defeated as he comes in to take your governor off and escalate. So let me, in the last half of this message, talk about the belt of truth. This is the first of all the pieces of armor, but it's different than every other one. If you notice, this really isn't armor at all. Like the shield and the sword and the breastplate, um, the helmet. These are all things during warfare that, you know, are defensive or offensive. They help you in warfare. A belt doesn't do that. I mean, not unless you're Jason Bourne or John Wick. I mean, you know, you, you know, if you're some martial art guy, maybe you can do some with A belt wasn't something to defend you or, or attack your enemy. The belt, in fact, in Greek is literally interpreted the girdle. It was something you put around your center. And watch this. It becomes the foundation for all of the other parts of our armor, our spiritual PPE that we're going to talk about. Next week, the, the breastplate of righteousness. What do you attach your breastplate to? You attach it to the belt and your straps in the back. Your sword goes in the sheath. Where? On the belt. It's the foundation for everything else. And what was the belt for? Here's it. In that day and age, if you know the Roman society, everybody walked around with long flowing robes. Have you seen some of the movies? Come on, you've seen them, right? Spartacus or whatever other ones, you know, the long flowing robes, right? And what they would do is when it was time for action, when you needed to do some hard work, when you needed to fight, when you needed to run for your life. You know what you had to do? You had to take up all those robes, 
and stuff them in your belt. Do you know what that's called? It's called girding up your loins. Have you ever heard that in the scriptures? The King James says it more. That's what they're talking about. Gird up your loins, meaning you've got these ropes. Now grab those things, gird up your loins, stuff it in your belt. Now you're ready for action. You're ready to move. You're ready to work. You're ready to do these things, right? Um, to, to, to be able to function beyond, uh, <coughs> excuse me, just having a long robe, right? And I love this, that that's what the belt of truth is this. It's a spiritual PPE that's reminding yourself of the reality of God's truth. At the foundation level, I'm girding up my loins. I'm girding up into my belt of truth, reminding myself that I'm forgiven. Reminding myself that I'm loved of God. Reminding myself that, that, that God has never left me or forsaken me. I'm reminding myself of those truths. Now watch this. I, if you're taking notes... I think for the belt of truth, this is the best scripture that you can write down right now to what I'm saying. First Peter, he says this, therefore, prepare your minds for action, discipline yourselves, set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you. Do you know what this means in the, in the Greek? Actually, the King James gets this one right. The King James sometimes doesn't, uh, you know, isn't quite as accurate to the Hebrew and Greek language as some of the modern translations as we know more about the language. But the King James hit this one out of the heart, out of the park. Because the King James doesn't say prepare your mind. You know what it says? It says gird up your mind for action. In other words, don't let your mind be scatterbrained. Don't let your thoughts be flying in every direction because they've been injected with some kind of evil into your imagination by the enemy. But gird it up. Put in the belt of truth and focus on the truths about what God says about you. See, this goes very against people that will tell you, oh, Christianity, um, people are gullible. They're, they're not scholarly. They're not intellectual. They don't think, really? Maybe that's some ways in Christian cults or something. But our word says we're to gird up our minds. We're to think. I, I've loved to have an opportunity to baptize what is 650 some adults here at Garfield Memorial Church since 2010, and I, I always write down what people are saying. And here's two two things that were said to me about people being baptized. One brother said to me, "Yeah, I was religious. I went to church. I read the Bible. I just never thought about it." Do you hear that? Somebody else said to me, "You know, when I gave my life to Christ at this church, my mind woke up." Before, the Bible was just words on a page, but now it's dealing with me. Now it's arguing with me. Now it's shaping me. Sometimes it's making me mad. See, we're thinking about it. In Deuteronomy was the Shema. The Shema was, was Deuteronomy 6, I think verses 4 through 7, kind of the heart of the Torah of Israel. And at verse 5, it says, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, Right? And when they asked Jesus, what, what did, how do you inherit the kingdom of God? What did he say? He quoted the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he adds, with all your mind. Paul says in Philippians, let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ. Whatever's good, whatever's honorable, whatever's pure, whatever's righteous, get the enemy out of your brain. Think about these things. 
dig down deep in them, and that's putting on the belt of truth. And let me give one example, and then I want to jump ahead to three last things, and I'll be done. First, um, there's a passage Paul says in Romans 8 that has always bugged me. Now, I've talked to you about my struggles with Romans 8, 28, and I've redeemed that. But there's another passage. It's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Romans 8, 18. And this one's always bugged me. Paul says, um, on Romans 8, 18, he said, I consider, um, I consider that the sufferings of this world are nothing to be compared to the glory that is to come. I, I, I consider, in fact, some translations say, I reckon, right, that the sufferings of this world are nothing to be compared with the glory that is to come. Um, that's really interesting because, I, you know, I used to think easy for you to say, Paul, until I remember what Paul went through, right? Like, I left the corporate arena at the, at the cost of a standard of living. Paul left the corporate arena, the schools, Pharisee, at the cost of his life. And then when he would say, I consider, I love that, because we're going to put up here on the screen that there are so many words in the Greek-English lexicon for what that word consider means, for what reckoning means, okay? I, I looked it up in the English-Greek dictionary. And to consider, to reckon, means to pry. It means to question. It means to argue. It means to cogitate. It means to contemplate, right? It, 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 is, it is actually, Paul is thinking it out. He's putting on the belt of truth. He's reflecting. He's wrestling. He's arguing. He's questioning. He's cogitating. He's contemplating. He's meditating on the truths of God. And when he does that, it's so wrapped in the center of his being that then he can say, everything in this world is but a flea bite compared to what the promises that I have in Christ. And when that happens, right, when you do that, when you activate your mind, then you begin to put on the belt of God truth, the word of God becomes a living word. What do I mean by that? The word of God is always, always a living word. It says God's word goes out and does not come back empty. It, it waters, it harvests, it brings it. But you know what happens? Suddenly it becomes a living word for you. And when you put on the belt of truth and you remind yourselves of the power and the glory of God, what, what happens? You don't just read the scriptures. The scriptures start to read you. You don't just pray the word of God. The word of God starts to pray with you. You feel like you're being dealt with right? That God is, 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 is working with you, that God is, is, is shaping you, right? And we see Christians sometimes walking around the world, gossipy, easily offended, um, you know, uh, uh, quick to anger, and everybody sees it about you. Everybody sees it about me, except who? Me! Like Pastor Lloyd or Pastor Terry, Pastor Scott, they could see, Chip, you know, I see this coming out in you, but I can't see it. You know why? Because I've always said the sin that's the most destructive in your life, by definition, is the one you're most blind to. And what happens is then, the word of God comes in and begins to say, Chip, why are you getting so defensive? Chip, why are you, you know what I mean? It starts working with you. When's the last time, I want to ask you this, when's the last time you let God take a red pencil or a red pen to your life? You know, we're in grade school, you know that, in college, in our master's, the professors would put red pen in there. When have you let God do that? Before you go to the voting booth. 
before you pull out your credit card, before you go into that new career change. That you don't pray to God, hey God, um, you know, could you check out this situation for me? But you know what you pray? You say, hey God, can you check me out <laughs> before I end up in this situation? And that's why this is a prayer from Psalm 139, that when I'm in trouble, I just pray this prayer. Or not even when I'm in trouble. When I'm doing some self-reflecting, when I'm putting on the belt of truth, I say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. Some scholars call that the prayer of the five verbs. Search me, know me, try me, see me, lead me. Have you prayed like that? Have you let the belt of truth begin to work? Let God's word at the center of your being begin to deal with you? Okay, two things and I'm done. Five minutes. If you put on the belt of truth, here's two consequences that happen in your life as the basis for your spiritual PP. One, the belt of truth breaks an inward preoccupation with yourself. You know what Martin Luther called this, the great reformer? I had uh, Dave Jezik made a slide for this just for me this morning. He called it, here's some Latin, okay, friends, Latin. He called it incurvitus in se, that we humans have something called incurvitus in se. You know what it is? It's something that's turned curved inward on yourself. You ever heard of curvature of the spine? Yeah? This is worse. <laughs> that can be dealt with physically. This is curvature of the soul. This is where everything Luther said, it's our, our nature so deeply curved in on itself that it's wickedly, curvedly, viciously seeking to use all things, even God, for yourself. And the belt of truth, and when you know you're a sinner saved by grace, when you know that you only receive this gift of God, forgiveness of God, that you couldn't save yourself, that you couldn't earn your salvation, that you couldn't be a good enough person to be worthy of, of God's love toward us. When you put that belt of truth on, it breaks our preoccupation with ourselves. See, that's the difference, too, in this image with being putting on the whole armor or the PPE because soldiers and physicians and nurses, um, they're not just under agreement. Like, if I work for you, if you're an employee and if you treat God like an employer or worse yet, like an employee, you're still in charge, right? I go to work and I say, okay, I agree to follow the rules, but um, I, I can decide. I may resign. I, I may quit. Uh, I'll decide when I can call in sick. I'll decide what days to take off. I'll decide how far I want to go. If you're in the armed forces and you go AWOL, that's a crime, Right? And if you're in an operating room, if I'm a first assistant attending nurse with a great surgeon and he's in that operating room and he turns to me, Nurse Chip, hand me the clamps. You know, I got to cut off this artery. I go, well, you know, I don't do clamps on Tuesday. I do scalpels on Tuesday. Uh, Monday, ask me Monday. I'll give you clamps and, and I'm going to ask. No. Christians are people, followers of Christ in the world that sense we've been enlisted, that we're under orders right? And, and we submit our will to the will of God. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. 
not your will, but you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the only aspect of the Lord's Prayer that we saw Jesus putting in action in his life in Gethsemane, where he saw the cup of God's hell and he said, but not what I want, God, not my will, but your will. And when you do that, it breaks in curvatus and say, it breaks Satan's power over you and your own selfishness that can run wild, ungoverned in your life. So it breaks that last point. The belt of God's truth, while it breaks our preoccupation towards self, it releases. Watch this, friend. It's a release. Ready? Everybody breathe. It releases an outward love for God and neighbors. That's what happens. When you put on the belt of who you are in Christ Jesus and knowing you're a sinner saved by grace, suddenly all of your heart and emotions begin to go outward, right? It begin to begin to flow out with a concern for others. What was Matthew 25? Jesus says, here's evidence that you're my followers. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me water. I was an immigrant. I was an alien in your land, a foreigner. You welcomed me. I was in prison. I was stuck in my thoughts. You visited me. Now, God is not saying in that, look, do those things and you'll have a relationship with me. What he was saying is, by doing those things shows that you have a relationship with me. That you're surrendering your self-interest for others. See, I got to tell you, friends, I've heard a lot of talk during this whole situation we're going through. People are arguing about what are my individual rights? What do the government has a right to say? That's a wonderful conversation. I agree with it. I, I, you know, it's, it's beautiful to have. But here's the truth in the big picture. When I came to Jesus Christ, I surrendered all of my individual rights. I gave up any right to decide what's right or wrong for my life. And I began to suddenly have a heart as a sinner saved by grace poured out for others. So if there's things I can do to help other people right now, even if it's inconvenient, even if I don't agree with it, even if it makes me uncomfortable, do you know how easy it is for me to do? At the thought that maybe I might help one person. See, and that's when you know you've put on the belt of truth. You're not your own. I got to say, on worship on Wednesday, I told uh, Justin, our worship pastor, this. Justin was leading it in his basement, and I had a meeting at 7, so I, had, I couldn't go back in until the recording later at 9. And I just basked in those midweek worship services. And uh, Justin, at the very end, I told him, I texted him late at night, say, hey, bro, this is going to be in my message. Because he, he said, like, anybody have a last request? And somebody fired in, lead me to the cross. And somebody, I know I, I, you were a little bit late, said Waymaker, but leave me to the cross, got in first. And Justin goes, okay, let's do leave me to the cross. And he began to sing it. And then there was just such a powerful moment. All of a sudden he just stopped because he sang that verse, rid me of myself. I belong to you. And he stopped playing. If you were there, if you haven't seen it, go on it. And he just began testifying. He said, hey, yeah, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, that's it, isn't it? That, that's our call. That's what we do. We strip down of ourselves and understand, okay, I have rights, but who cares? He has the right to everything in my life. I belong to you. Lead me to the cross. 
I remember a young couple that, or a student at uh, Eastern University was studying with Dr. Tony Campolo. He's come to preach for us. And the student was at this Christian college and he was feeling a call. He went to college thinking he'd go to medical school, but he was feeling a call to go out and be a missionary in South Africa. And his dad, or South America, I'm sorry, and his dad was very upset about it. And he came to the college and he wanted to meet with Dr. Campolo and his son. And he's like, where did this, my son get these ideas? He was going to be going to med school. And, and, you know, the son talked about how Jesus had, had affected his life. And the dad said like this, Tony told me, he hit the desk and he said, I believe in being a Christian up to a point. And his son said, could that point be the cross, dad? Could that point be the cross? Rid me of myself. I belong to you. Put on the belt of truth and it will break that inward spirit. <clears throat> There's a last scripture I want to say and then I'm done. I didn't understand this scripture either until I created this message. Do you remember Peter at the end of his life who said, gird up your mind, he has all his teaching? But when he had den- denied Jesus, do you remember that? He denied him three times. I don't know the man, right? And then Jesus comes to him after the resurrection. He ministers to him on the beach. You know the story, right? John 21, three times Peter denied. Three times Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And after Peter repented and said, you know I love you, Lord. And God said, okay, be my chief shepherd. Now that you've repented, feed my sheep, tend my flock. And then he said something. Watch this scripture. I never understood this till this message. I'm telling you, in all my years. He said, very truly, I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt. You put your own belt on. And you would go wherever you wished. But as you grow old with me, you will stretch out your hands. See, and Jesus said that, of talking about the way that Peter died, yes, he was crucified. But this isn't just stretching out his hand to be crucified. This is saying like this, okay, I'm not going to address myself now. And someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. How many of you have that willingness to do that spiritual PPE? You say, God, um, rid me of myself. I'm putting my hands up. You put the belt of truth around me. And you might start pulling me some places that I never thought I'd go. And to quote Dr. Seuss, when you do that, oh, the places you will go. And oh my gosh, how you will grow. Put on the belt of truth today, friends. And we'll see you next week as we begin to put on the full rest of the spiritual PPE. God bless. Pastor Lori's going to take us out and seal this in prayer.